0: How many people do we encounter on a daily basis? Have you ever taken the time to consider what those people are going through? The dreams, aspirations, fears, and challenges that are faced each day make every individual unique. Can our understanding, our interactions with these individuals help them overcome the mountains that are faced each and every day? We think so, because it's the little things that can make a big difference. And here's Mitch and Jake.
1: Welcome to The Little Things with Mitch. And Jake. Jake, last episode of Season 3, we did it.
2: Yeah, we did it. We're here. Uh, season 3 is upon us, and we have a great guest that we're going to talk to here. Uh, very well known in South Dakota as well as, as all over the United States for the, the speaking that he does. So we're really excited to dive into this conversation and wrap up Season 3. How are you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing I'm doing just fine. Um We'll kind of get going here, and without further ado, uh, introduce our guest here. So throughout this season, we are going to be talking about things we have given up on. One organization that will always be there for us in a time of need is the National Guard. Today's South Dakota Army National Guard remains strong, with more than 3,100 soldiers available to execute its missions. The mission of the South Dakota Army National Guard is to provide combat capability to the warfight, security for the homeland, and provide combat-ready units in three roles, federal, state, and community. A special thank you to those serving our country from us at The Little Things. Our main goal is to show you that by appreciating the little things in life and understanding what the people around us are enduring, we can increase everyone's quality of life. The topic today, we've got a guest, and we're going to introduce him here momentarily. We're going to break down the top conversations that we had in season three and we're happy to have vj smith on the podcast here today vj i met him handful of years ago Uh, he's become a mentor of mine a good friend really guided me he's accomplished a lot in his life and he takes no credit and gives it to everyone that he's met along the way and sounds like a pretty successful person to me is one that's able to be very humble Throughout all he's accomplished, he's written, or he's written books, a motivational speaker, worked for South Dakota State. Um, some believe would be the good college in South Dakota, others would be uh, the not so good one, but uh, he'll, he'll back that for sure. And uh, just recently finished his third term uh, serving our state in peers So without further ado, VJ Smith. VJ, thanks for joining us today. Greetings, gentlemen. So we're going to get right after this. Um, And I'm going to start from a episode, on episode 30, asking for help. Vijay, how can your upbringing play a role in your ability to ask for help? Well,
3: you you know, uh, there are really five areas that we learn our values from. Um, When you reflect on it, um, uh, you get it from, uh, obviously, your family first, uh, friends, uh, school, uh, religious and media, which would include the, the internet. And so, in terms of, uh, um, of, of that particular topic, uh, um, we learn from our parents and we learn from our friends. That That's our springboard of asking for help. Because a lot of people will never ask for help. You know, you, you look at your role models and, and chances are, if they don't ask for help, you're probably not inclined to ask for help either. It's difficult, you know. It's a uh, an ego thing. Uh, most people think that they make th- do things on their own. A lot of people who run into uh, emotional emotional issues, uh, which leads to uh, some mental Ill- instability, uh, it's because they don't want to ask for help. When it clicks on uh, asking for help, it's normally in a difficult situation, and the doors are about closed, and and uh, you're forced to ask for help. So it comes really from
1: uh, your upbringing. So kind of the Carry on with that a little bit. I mean, Vijay, you grew up in Eureka, South Dakota, went south, ended up a little ways from Eureka, but not terribly far. Who are some of the people in your life, you know, when you talk about upbringing, who are some of those people that you kind of point back to that you can thank for for your success?
3: I'm going to go, I, I, one of the three items that I mentioned happened to be school. Um, you know, my, my, my dad was, uh, gave a, a, a strong impression. Uh, on, I, I don't know if he ever asked for help. If he did, I never saw it. Except maybe if his tire was flat. But teachers, uh, there are three teachers uh, that I had in my life showed me the way uh, in terms of asking for help. And, you know, they did it in such a way as, as to not make me feel uncomfortable and, and, and saying, it, it, it is it's okay uh, to ask for help. Everybody needs help. That more so with uh, my teachers than probably my own particular family. Some of my friends uh, uh, showed me the way too. Um, You know, and that wasn't something that happened, just the light went on at a particular moment. Uh, uh, As you go through different phases in your life, you you watch people who have gone through difficulty and and they've turned uh, to help, professional help, or even in the workplace uh, and
2: and you'll learn it's okay. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point that you brought up, Vijay. Uh, you know, a lot of your messaging and for those of you listeners that may not know, um, VJ speaks uh, throughout the the Midwest and the United States. Um, he wrote the book The Richest Man in Town uh, which is a, a book about actually a cashier at a local Walmart in Brookings there and a lot of your messaging, uh, VJ, has to do with just that, where, where you need to ask for help, and it's it's about the people around you. Mitch and I have touched on that in a few episodes, but I was just wondering if you could um, maybe dive into that a little bit as far as, you know, some hesitations that people might have when they, they reach out for help and and need some guidance, but necessarily, you know, aren't equipped or aren't confident in doing so. Can you just dive into your thoughts on that a little bit?
3: Marriage is a very uh, interesting uh, institution and and we know um, the failure rate and a lot of times uh, um, it will fail is because someone doesn't reach out for help they may think that they can go it alone uh, don't have to talk to anybody they want to be a rock but to get getting somebody over that hump that it's okay uh, to seek counseling of some type um, because you can't do it on your own you know, some people find that in their religion that uh, uh, they take great comfort, and, and, and that's how they reach out for help. But there are um, professionals out there that uh, are trained in these types of things. But again, you know, people are afraid. You know, they say, yeah, "I'm too strong to go there." Well, you know, I, what I've learned in life is the strong person goes there. <laughs> you know, the, the, the person who, who, who realizes I can't do this by myself. I, I need to find help that's the strong person to put the ego aside because the ego is just a killer in, in the world just a killer it's it uh i see it in business i see it in politics all the time it's just to set it aside for a little bit and realize uh you have to you have to break yourself down enough to say i, I, I need
1: help so kind of going off the first question really it was we we touched on this question in episode 24 our starting episode of season three obviously as a kid you had the idea of what giving up meant right so how has the word giving up changed for you vj as you've gotten older that's an easy one mitch uh i'll
3: tell you the reason why uh, as i've gotten older I, i've been able to figure out uh, uh, what hills i'm going to die on they're, they're, you know, when you're younger, you think, you know, for a lot of reasons. and Again, a lot of it goes go, goes back to ego. Um, uh, that uh, that that you don't want to give up on much. But then you realize, uh, do I really want to spend a lot of time on this? Uh, do, do I want to continue to bang my head into a wall? Uh, you know, there's some things that you just let go. And 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 so, as a legislator, you know, you're you're filled with so many issues every day. And and and, and you know, you can't go to the wall on all of them. And and, 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 and but there are some that are very important to you and you move along with those. But there's always a point, is this the hill that I'm gonna die on? Everything can't be important. I mean, you put priorities and and uh, and so, but when things go against your principles, your primary values, we're gonna lock onto those and rightfully so. But there's a lot of stuff that frankly in life is not that important. But we think it is at the time, but it's not.
2: And I think that's so true, too, is, you know,
3: our, our important the importance
2: in our life changes as, as we grow older and, and as our perspective shifts. I think that's a, a really good point that you made. Um, one thing that, that we've talked about is when we're giving up, it's it's not necessarily giving up as in failure, but it's it's switching your perspective and switching your your focus to to certain areas. And as you grow older, I think that naturally happens. But when we make a point to focus on that and, and actually you know, gravitate towards things that we want to accomplish and, and the people that we want with us, I think it makes that transition a little bit easier. So, um, which kind of rolls into our, our third question for you, VJ. We're just gonna kind of uh, hammer you with questions here. I know you're full of knowledge. So in episode 29, um, what is something you have given up on trying to make friends is the answer that a student gave. And I'm curious on your perspective, V.J., how does that relationship with friends change and the people that you surround yourself with over time and as you continue to grow? How, how has your
3: friendships and your relationships changed throughout your life? Well, that's a great question. Just this morning I, I was looking at an article. Uh, it was about uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Robin Dunbar. He's a uh, uh, professor emeritus uh, in evolutionary psychology at Oxford, big credentials, and and he talks about uh, uh, this whole idea of friends, you know, and and it's his belief and to me there was something to it as I read it, Uh, he he stated that uh, humans can effectively maintain 150 stable relationships, And, and if you reflect on it, that's about right what I find interesting about the number 150 is that you know, I, I've seen it, and, and I've heard about it for a long time, that even for Hutterite colonies, at 150, they begin to break off into a new colony because uh, 150 seems to be a manageable group. Even in the military, they consider that. And Dunbar even went on to say that uh, people need 50 good friends, you know, uh, people that you would invite to a party. And of the 50, 12 would be supportive friends, uh, people who would be very upset when you die. You know, we think, oh, a lot of people will get very upset. Probably not a lot, but there's, there's a, a, a dozen or so that, that uh, would probably be very upset. And then he breaks it down even further that said five of your intimate friends are so close to you that they would give you a kidney if you needed it which I thought was an interesting way to put things as we look in our, into our lives. What I have discovered, because when I was the campus representative uh, for Miller Brewing Company when I was in college, I had hundreds of friends, because when you give away a lot of free beer, you have a lot of friends, <laughs> and, and, uh, um, or you think they're friends, and, and you realize maybe they wanted the beer more than they wanted me. But as I reflect on it, when I think about the friends I had from a long, long time ago who are still my friends, the reason why that core group remains is is because uh, um, we share common values. Things are really, really important or common interests. Um, uh, We like to do things together. And probably the biggest one that that I learned in time uh, was that I've learned to stay away from negative people i thought stay away from negative people. I, I've shed myself of all the negative thinkers in my life. I don't need them in my head. So I like to surround myself with, with happy, positive people. And, and, of course, when you start narrowing things down, um, you know, some of them will, will move to the side. What's interesting, and, and I don't know if this you'll, you'll find it as interesting as, as, as I do, but when I turned 40 years old, I wrote down 57 things I wanted to do before I died. Fifty-seven. And and um, that was a few years ago, and I've whittled on those over time. But it's been my roadmap to what I've done in my life. In fact, the third thing I wrote on that list uh, uh, when I turned forty was to write a book. Well, you already mentioned the richest man in town. Uh, that was a game changer for me. Uh, uh, and, but but one of the goals I wrote was one Christmas send out five hundred Christmas cards with personal notes, and each one, and tell them why they are important to you. And it, it, it's, an enormous, it's an enormous undertaking. It is. But I finally, uh, last October, I reminded myself of that goal like you should. On the 3rd of December, I dumped uh, 503 Christmas cards in the mail. It was an incredible response that I received. That the number one thing people wrote back to me and said is, thank you for thinking of me. You know, I, I recognize you. You have value. I mean, I told a 94 year old woman in, in this note that I thanked her for taking us to church when my dad was out of town. She's 94 years old. Shocked that I wrote this back. But here's here's one of the things that I, I reflect on most. Three of those people have died since Christmas, and 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 I'm thankful that I was able to tell them while they were living why they were important in my life, and not tell relatives how important the deceased person was is to be direct with that person it's fascinating you know ever since the third of december every few days someone will come back to me and say thanks for that christmas card i appreciated it so i don't know if i'm being helpful when i when i said all this but
1: uh that's what i know no i think it's i think it's great vj um and we always have these good intentions in our mind and in our heart right that we that we want to go out and do because we know it'll make a difference and we just we just don't do it. And it always seems like I, I speak a lot about moments that we use and how single moments can can change everything. And it's those moments when we lose someone or something very close to us, those are the moments that we wish we had back. And by doing those cards, like just and did it it took a ton of time it had to and obviously it was a little expensive too to send all those out, but the impact that you made, is priceless and i mean how awesome is that
3: well and and i appreciate you saying that because the impact i may have made with the words that i shared words that i should have shared a long time ago and and and, you know we always we we go to funerals and we say i wish i would have done this i wish i would have done that Uh, but to do it when someone is living and it does take a lot of time but what I learned about when you set goals is that they cost you time, they cost you money, and you have to be prepared to, to give up those things in order to get what you want. And in, in this in this instance, I was able to satisfy a goal. But more importantly, yes, did I did I uh, help uh, uh, make someone's day? Sure, I did. But but I made my day then <laughs> by 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 making someone feel they had value to a little kid a long time ago. That they, they may have taken me fishing uh, and all these other things. Those small things, people have, well, nobody's really going to remember I did that. Oh, I remember. The kid remembers. And the older person remembers those people who positively impact their lives. And let's face it, you know, the book I wrote about Marty, what started that was me sending a letter to the head of Walmart and bragging up a guy I didn't even know. And I wasn't expecting this enormous tidal wave that came back.
1: All I was doing was trying to acknowledge how good this guy was. So. So kind of going through the different people that you sent this out to, because we we don't really know their story. Obviously, you know who they are, but you don't truly know what they were dealing with at that time they opened that letter and received it. Well, one of our students that did this project um, said, what is something you've given up on Uh, being good enough, is what this student said. Episode 28, we dive into that. How can you overcome a feeling like that, Vijay?
3: It's a horrible thing to have this cloud hanging over your head if you feel that you're not good enough. It can lead to a lot of negative things in your life. But you don't have to accept the fact that I'm not good enough. And it's not like you have to constantly prove I am a good person. But it does take a little bit of of momentum on a person's part to, to, to show their value. Uh, however, that might be large or small, but it's always a constant thought for me. I mean, you know, I'm going to be 66 years old here, and I thought, you know, am I good enough? I asked myself in the, in the legislature uh, uh, many times. Uh, I used to do it when I was started out my speaking career. Am I really good enough? But the phone kept ringing. If, asking yourself, "Am I good enough?" is both a positive thing and a negative thing. Obviously, the, the positive thing would be that you continue to strive to advance. The negative thing is that it can become baggage if you get caught up in the idea that I'm never going to be good enough. I'm not saying the acceptance of all that, but I I, I just believe that people change their lives when they take a step forward. Movement. Do something with your lives. Uh, 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 Improve the human condition. And if you improve the human condition for one person, you have improved your human condition.
2: I love hearing that, Vijay, Um, improving the human condition, I think that's something that we should all strive for, Uh, you know, in in the impact that we have, no matter how big or small, it's impacting someone, something that you mentioned in there, you know, not having to prove that I'm a good person, I'm a big advocate of that, I think that eventually over time, if you continue to put in the work and and truly be yourself and, and love the person that you are, then the the right people are going to stick around. The right people are going to surround themselves with you because they find value in you. And I think that's super important that we continue to, to grow and and adjust as we get older and older. And I think it's important to, to keep that in mind that the right people will be there throughout our lives that want to be there. And I think, I thought that was just kind of a neat thing that you said is I don't have to prove that I'm a good person I am a good person. And I think that confidence is, is built over time.
3: I, uh, I, uh, am with you hundred percent.
2: So we'll move on to, um, actually another question here in, in episode 27, we talked about forgiveness and forgiveness can be, can be really tough to just put it bluntly. It's, it's really hard to forgive, especially when someone does you wrong and, and hurts you. Um, Mitch and I were curious, you know, if if you want to share, what does forgiveness mean to you exactly? I know it's hard to forgive people and the people that have done us wrong, but what part of of forgiveness has played a
3: part in your life, DJ? Uh, Many years ago, uh, I was probably in my mid-30s, I worked for uh, the Allied Signal Aerospace Corporation in Kansas City, eighty five hundred people under one roof. I, I worked in labor relations, and we used to have a saying in labor relations because there was human conflict frequently: uh, uh, an employee to a supervisor, uh, supervisor to a supervisor, employee to an employee, and 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 you dig into it. So the the, the saying that we adopted, and, and and I bring it up all the time: forgive and remember. You know, we're we're always you're always going to remember what happened you know you you can't forget it's a trite saying forgive and forget nah you're not gonna you're gonna flat remember the hard part of course is forgiving and and what i've learned is forgiveness is you taking the first step even though that you feel you have been wronged uh it's taking the first step Uh, here uh, a couple weeks ago in the Capitol, something happened. It was a, an, a very emotional thing on a particular piece of legislation and, and I, I got very upset and, and I left a room and I uh, pulled a couple of people from the exec, executive branch together and, you know, I, I kind of had, had a little out-of-body experience <laughs> and, and, but I, I, didn't, I, I didn't swear, I didn't whatever but I was focused on what I was saying. It bothered me uh, um, for the next day that, that I had let my emotions take over. And so I, I sought out both of these individuals and I apologized to them. Because, uh, and, and their reaction, you, you don't have to, no, I do have to apologize. I, I don't want to act like that. It was just one of those moments. And the fact is that when you take that moment to apologize, you rebuild that line of communication because that communication is the key to future good things. And for those people who, you know, that they're not gonna talk to another person again, whatever it might be, uh, they're hurting themselves. Uh, They're hurting themselves of potential relationship, things that, good things that could happen because of it. And you know what? It, it, it takes them uh, a little bit of gumption to apologize. It does. I mean, we've all seen political leaders uh, who, who would never apologize. They would die. Business people the same way. They won't apologize because they think it's a sign of weakness. Again, that's one of those things, it's a sign of strength. I, I, I'm strong enough that, that can I ask you for your forgiveness? I just think it's a, a tremendous tool that people ought to think about. You know, I, I said it on the Senate floor, you know, one of the sad things in life that, that I experience over and over, and, and we've all have, it was, we've seen families who have been torn asunder. Uh, for whatever reasons, they get torn asunder. And um, a lot of it has to do with money, uh, property, um, wh- whatever it might be. I feel such sadness for that group. And, and, and it's obvious, no one wants to apologize. The family is the basic unit, the people that we grew up with. Uh, It takes courage to do it. But the reward is extraordinary uh, to just say, I'm sorry, and and not do one of these, I'm sorry, but, you know, I apologize, but. If we don't get off those buts, we're never going to be truly sorry because a, a, a sincere apology just simply says, I'm sorry I said that, I'm sorry I did that. And it's a remarkable thing that happens uh, uh, when those words are said. Because who can argue with an apology? (laughs) Who who can argue when you say, I'm really really sorry I said that? You can't argue with it. So anyway.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And I mean, I I just don't think when we look at forgiveness, we think of it that way. And that's why we get into such a rut. We're just not open-minded. When we let our emotions get the best of us, we're not rational and and that's all people and it sounded like that one time in peer that that happened to you and you realize right after that but some people struggle to to let go of that and take the fault in that uh before we let you go vj uh we certainly appreciate your time here today you can check him out he's got an awesome story um he speaks i've heard him speak now five or six times and read his book a handful of times and we're not going to go into that. We want you guys to check him out. Uh, for more information vj-smith.com check him out. But I do want to bring up Marty just a little bit. I want I want our viewers to get hungry because it's an awesome story to hear. Two questions, vj. Yes. First one. What was your favorite moment with Marty, that really just changed you, that impacted your your growth and your development as not only a professional but a person. And the second thing, after Marty passed, or you know, after you know this, your career has really taken off. When were you like, holy smokes, Marty would never believe this.
3: <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I suppose uh, it brings up two things. The moment that had such a profound impact on me was when I took Marty and Mickey to Pier, and, and uh, I spoke to 400 people. There were cowboys uh, uh, and, and ranch wives. And, and I thought, you know, is his simple story, a guy that works at a cash register at Walmart, Brookings, is it going to have an impact? And as I shared the story, I could see the emotion in the people's faces. And, um, and then it wasn't, we didn't do it a lot, but I, since I brought him along, we, we had a deal, he could never sit in front of me uh, when I talked, because he'd start crying, and I'd start crying, so he was off to the side, and so I said, I brought him with me, I got to the end of the story, I brought him with me, because a lot of people is this guy real, and and so I said, Marty, would you stand up, well he barely got out of his chair, and the whole audience is clapping, well they can't see him and so I, I motioned for him to come up to the stage <laughs> and he walked up, and I hugged him, and and he's looking in the crowd, and I walked off the stage because it was such a such a moment, and he took his glasses off, and he started crying and just bowed his head. And, and yeah, I, I saw that humility. I mean, I, I had just put this guy up on a pedestal. He could have stood there and waved, aren't I, something. But I saw the humility in the man. And it was just a reminder uh, of what humility, you know. There's that old saying humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Well, there it was, there it was on full display. The second time, you know, I, since I've gone all over the country, you know, you on know, a stage in San Francisco, a, a stage in, in Portland, Maine, you know, these different places, and, and all, all are really, really significant places. But when I, when I stood in front of 13,000 Walmart employees in, uh, uh, at the University of Arkansas, um, and, and and shared the story. I, I, I mean, I I can't even see the crowd. There's so many people. The, the floodlights are on me, and, and I know the story so well, and so I just it, it just comes out of my mouth. And these people are sitting there, absolute quiet. And of course, they would laugh once in a while. And and I thought to myself, I am from Brookings, South Dakota. <laughs> I, and and until this moment, these people have never heard of me. Um. And I'm sharing the story about my friend who worked, who was one of their colleagues, and and the thunderous applause at the end. Uh, uh, and and and, and I, I cannot believe that I'm here sharing my friend's story, and, and, and always realizing, just like I do in Pierre, the reason why I am here is because of this little guy that ran a cash register at Walmart, who had an eighth grade education, lived in a double wide trailer, uh, um, had you know, for most people, a, a pretty nondescript life. But he had value and I knew he had value. And, and I was able to tell people, this man had enormous value to me and to everybody who came, came through his life. The power of all that, to be able to to, to be able to share it. And, and because when people heard the story, they would think of pe- about people in their lives who are kind of like this and they looked past them and through them. And what the, the, the message was, stop. <laughs> Just stop and, 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 and lift up someone. And it's amazing when you lift up the life of someone else, how much you lift your own life. And that is the message of the richest man in town. That's amazing, VJ. Thank you so much for
2: sharing that. I, I love hearing those stories like that. And uh, again, you guys really need to check out VJ again, vj-smith.com. Uh, just a phenomenal story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh it's, it's about connection, you guys. We talk about that on the podcast here, and VJ has, has literally lived it, um, you know, in his life and through his experiences and obviously meeting Marty and, and going through that story. Again, the book is The Richest Man in Town, but uh, it's about connection. And I just really, really appreciate having you on, VJ. You know, Mitch and I really do um, enjoy the, the stories and, and your time. It's, it's very valuable. So thank you so much. It's been
1: a pleasure. Before the end, we revisit past episodes and include reviews and questions from our audience. We also read a few shout-outs as well. Comments from our listeners are brought to you by the Allen and Connie Fannin Foundation, which is created to enhance the quality of life for children. Thank you for the support of the little things. You got any uh, shout-outs, Jake?
2: Yeah, I've just heard, uh, again, from, from people in Northeast South Dakota. Just We have a very strong hometown following and and growing following throughout South Dakota here but uh, our quick hit actually got uh, some nice reviews Uh, we talked about leaving things behind and I thought that was a good conversation between between Mitch and I Um, and it was interesting hearing just the different takes about it Um, you know a lot of times giving up and failure is associated with with quote unquote, leaving things behind. But I think we put it into a different perspective and I think people kind of appreciated that. So if you haven't uh, been able to check that out yet, that's quick hit five, leaving things behind us. But again, just uh, amazing support. You know, I get all sorts of random text messages and emails from you guys. And uh, like Mitch and I have said, it just keeps us going. So we really appreciate those and, and thank you for the
0: continued support.
1: What's also been cool is we kind of challenged our listeners a couple episodes ago about reaching out and where they're listening from. And the response has been fantastic, Jake, uh, through email, Facebook, uh, other sorts of avenues, too. So we're we're all the way uh, Los Angeles, California, Chicago, Illinois, Dallas, Texas, Omaha, Nebraska, out in New York City, New York. um, Obviously, all over South Dakota, Rapid City, Mitchell, Sioux Falls, Watertown, Aberdeen. All of it, and it's just been fantastic. So, there's a little uh, project that we have in uh, in store. I'm thinking, and might even turn into a T-shirt, maybe a clothing line of some sort. But uh, continue to reach out. It's it's fun to see we have people listening from Mexico and in Europe and up in Canada. And it's just I kind of want to give an update on on how that's going. But we're not done with that. Uh, reach out to us at the email. Jake, what's that email?
2: It's the little things dot Mitch and Jake at gmail.com and just to add to that thought mitch it's it is pretty wild you know we we're just two small town midwest kids and and the following and the reach that we've reached is just it's incredible and and just we're super thankful for it uh that's what keeps us going it's been a blast and we really enjoy doing it and to have you guys interact with us has been just super special so again i, th- I think that's pretty cool that we've spread all over like that and I hope you guys continue to interact. Uh, again, thelittlethings.mitchandjake.gmail.com. Uh, we're active on our Facebook page as well, too, the Little Things Podcast. And uh, like Mitch said, more to come.
1: Our last comments are brought to you by Gray Construction out of Watertown, South Dakota. For over 100 years, Gray Construction Company in Watertown, South Dakota, has specialized in assisting our local commercial, industrial, and municipal clients with projects of all scopes and sizes. Servicing Water- Watertown in our surrounding communities, our team of fully licensed, bonded, and insured contractors deliver a wide range of construction and project management services, ranging from concrete pouring and finishing to steel erection and finished carpentry. Thank you for your support of the little things. Last comments, Jake. How'd you think VJ did?
2: I, th- I thought it was amazing, to say the least, uh, to have a guy on like VJ's just incredible you know we're, we're super fortunate to have him I know you've seen him speak in person um, the book The Richest Man in Town which we talked about I definitely encourage you guys to check that out um, it was actually a national bestseller uh, VJ goes and speaks all over and to have him on the podcast I mean we, we had to cut him off there just for time's sake but I think both you and I could probably talk to him for for three or four hours so just to get his time with his busy schedule was pretty freaking awesome and I thought he had some great perspective
1: what do you think yeah, I mean he's he's a friend, you know, it it goes to, you know, he was a mentor of mine and it it's really and just the way he is, I mean, it, it seems like everyone's his friend, you know what I mean? And it's just the way he takes care of you when he's around you and you know, us us small people on a podcast that he's willing to spend 45 minutes with us and just kind of share his insight. Uh, it's been really good. I've I've appreciated that friendship with him and he's really helped me along. Through thick and thin, so uh, yeah, I'm really excited to push this out. We've had great guest speakers in the first three seasons of this. Sean Cavell in season one, not sure what episode that is, but he's at the end of that, and then uh, Dana Dykehouse at the end of season two, and now VJ Smith. So we've really done a great job of getting good speakers in that that get it. You know what I mean? They just they get it, and uh, couldn't be happier uh, for where the direction of this podcast is going. So. Yeah,
2: V.J. BJ, BJ was a, a, a marvel to have on. I got so many notes here written down and quotes that he was talking about. So, yeah, just pretty special to have him on. I thought it was great.
1: So, yeah, we got some exciting news, like, moving forward. Obviously, some things, if nothing changes. Uh, we've got some people that we're working with to, to maybe do a little co-op-type uh, podcast uh, here in the next couple weeks. And then we also are going to start out Season 4, Uh, Speaking live from a conference, uh, Future Business Leaders of America, uh, that will be in Pierre, South Dakota. So you and I will be running a podcast with a bunch of high school students behind us. I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I think some of the insight that we're going to get from kids, you know, I mean, the book Cardboard Confessionals and what this is based on came from kids. So it's going to be nice to circle back around and, and get kids involved, too.
2: That's going to be super fun out in Pier. I'm really looking forward to that, and we're gonna we're gonna go with the flow and see how it happens. We've never done a, a live episode, especially with an audience, but uh, you know we're just gonna tackle it and see how it goes, and hopefully it turns out great. So I cannot be more excited for that here in a in a few weeks, Mitch.
1: Well, thanks for joining us uh, today, and continue to follow us as we start with season three. This was the last episode. Uh, this was the last episode of season three. Be with us as we continue on to season four. This is Mitch and Jake signing out.
0: This was a special presentation of The Little Things by Mitch and Jake. For more details on the podcast or the project, check out Mitch-Reed.com, It's Just Jake.com, or purchase cardboard confessionals on Amazon. And remember, The first step to helping someone in need is understanding and appreciating what they are going through. Thank you for listening.